The scripture that was read came from the Old Testament prophet Ezekiel, the 37th chapter and the 1st through the 10th verses. It was already read, but I do want to lift up a verse. And the verse reads as follows. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise, and behold, a rattling. And the bones came together, bone to bone. And I looked, and behold, sinews were on them. And flesh grew, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. There was no breath in them. I can't breathe is the expression that is uttered when you're experiencing a shortness of breath. It's a condition where it's hard or uncomfortable for you to take in the oxygen your body needs and you feel as if you're not getting enough air. Sometimes you can have mild breathing problems because of a stuffy nose or even an intense exercise routine, but shortness of breath can be a sign of something more serious. There are many conditions that can make you feel shortness of breath. Problems in your trachea or bronchi, which are part of your airway system, which is being blocked, as in the case of Eric Garner, when he shouted, I can't breathe, after being strong-armed by those police officers. Heart disease, which can make you feel breathless if your heart cannot pump enough blood into your, into your body, can cause you to feel a shortness of breath with the lack of oxygen. Lung conditions such as asthma and emphysema, anxiety, panic attacks, allergies, and in today's context, pneumonia, which is triggered by complications due to the coronavirus. But be that as it may, I can't breathe is a cry for air. So on this Resurrection Sunday, I want to talk about the kind of air that we really need to breathe. And to help steer this message, I have titled this sermon quite simply, The Breath of God. The Breath of God. Let us pray. Most gracious, heavenly, and eternal Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we have now come, O God, to the preaching hour. Father, we thank you, Lord, for all that has been done so far in this worship experience. We thank you, O Lord, for those who are virtually worshiping with us today. We thank you, O Lord, for those, Lord, who, even in the comfort of their homes, can still feel the presence of your Holy Spirit. Now, Lord, use through this technology and through this medium, use this preacher, use all that we have put together today, that it may be edifying to your body, that it may be glorifying to you, O God, but also that it may be horrifying to those who are against us. We thank you, O Lord, for this preaching time. Now, Spirit of the living God, speak now, for your children are listening. While talking with our son recently, my wife and I heard him utter these words. Life is a gift, but living is a choice. It was a thought-provoking statement riddled with deep theological implications despite its simplicity. Life is a gift, but living is a choice. Makes it quite clear that you can have breath or air in your lungs, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you are truly living. Truly living is much more than merely breathing. 
and how we choose to live lets us know how much we appreciate the gift of life. If there is one thing that we can take away from this coronavirus pandemic, it is that we have taken too much in this life for granted as we have lived our lives thinking mostly of ourselves and what may serve our own best interests. Now we are forced to live in self-imposed isolation, recognizing that the clothes we wear, the, the food we eat, the, the, the cars we drive, the houses or apartments that we may live in, and yes, even the places where we choose to worship have now become pale in comparison to the way we really need to live our lives. Now notice I didn't say the way that we want to live our lives, but the way that we really need to live our lives. I believe in all of my heart that we have come to the place where we can see that life is a gift, but living is a choice. The ministry of Ezekiel can best be described as having two parts. The first part dealt with him warning of the destruction of Jerusalem and how all the people, himself included, would be taken into captivity as exiles. After the destruction of Jerusalem, Ezekiel did not utter a word for the next 13 years. But after the 13-year period, Ezekiel then started to speak again. But now his words contained messages of hope. This is the second part of Ezekiel's prophecy. And according to Ezekiel, God would surely bring his people back to the promised land. And once again, they would be planted in the place where God intended to bless them. It is this second part of Ezekiel's prophecy that I want to spend some time talking today. Let's visit the first few verses in our text. It says in verse 1, the hand of the Lord was upon me. And he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley, and it was full of bones. He caused me to pass among them round about, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley. And lo, they were very dry. He said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. The picture here is, is, is vivid as we are able to imagine the prophet sitting in the middle of a valley on top of dry bones, nothing but bones that are dry and brittle. It is an apocalyptic image that speaks of death and so dry indeed that there is probably not even smell. In short, lifeless and without breath. When we speak about being lifeless, and without breath, it means that there is nothing of substance to support any form of life. By the text telling us that he was in the valley of dry bones that were very dry, it is a way of saying that there were no tissue, there was no muscle, there were no tendons, there was no flesh, there was no skin, and of course, there was no breath. It speaks of a condition where it is inconceivable to think that there was anything worthwhile or anything of value that could come from that situation. The only conclusion that you can draw from the situation is that once there was life and now there isn't. By being very dry, it tells us that those bones had been there for a very long time. 
The time has long passed. There is no going back to the former days and the way things were. No going back to the days of glory. All hope is gone. And there is no possibility of any kind of resurrection of what once was. In the valley of dry bones, very dry bones, there is no life. There is no possibility of life. There is no future. But God asks Ezekiel a very curious question. He asks, son of man, can these bones live? To which the prophet wisely responds. And I'm interpreting the text now by saying, Lord, I don't know. Only you know. The question was a test. Because unlike Ezekiel, many of us would have answered, no, they can't live. And why? Because as far as we are concerned, it's a valley of dry bones, very dry bones that have been there, been there for a very long time. There is no flesh. There is no breath. There is no possibility of life. There is no future. Can these bones live? No, they cannot. In fact, many of us in this worship experience right now, sitting in our own valleys of dry bones, where we've been out of school for so long that we can't even conceive of going back. We're in a valley of dry bones. Some of us, we have been in failing relationships for so long that we can't even conceive of there being any improvement to that relationship sitting in the valley of dry bones. We've been unemployed for so long that we can't conceive of even re-entering the workforce. Why? Because we're sitting in this valley of dry bones. We've been sick for so long that we can't even conceive of ever getting well. Why? Because we're sitting in this valley of dry bones. So God says to Ezekiel in the very same way that God is saying to me and to you right now, right here today as we sit in our own valleys of dry bones, son of man, church of God, can these bones live? And like Ezekiel, your utterance and mine should simply be only you know, O Lord. Only you know if I can go back to school. Only you know if I can make my marriage or my relationship work. Only you know if I'm able to find a job or employment. Only you know, oh God, if I can be healed in my mind, in my body, and in my spirit. Only you know, Lord. And when we respond to him, only you know, the Lord says to Ezekiel, as he says to us today, prophesy. Prophesy over these bones and say to them, Oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Behold, I will cause breath to enter you that you may come to life. God says to Ezekiel, Speak to the bones. Speak to the bones. Much in the same way that God is saying to you and to me right now as we sit in our valleys of dry bones, in our valleys of missed opportunities, in our valleys of wasted potential, in our valleys of coronavirus, in our valleys of broken relationships. Oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. You will arise. You will find a job. You will be healed. You will walk again. You will find love again. You will be made whole. You will be set free. You will have hope again. You will have a future. We reject coronavirus and all that comes with it. We reject Satan and his demons 
and we reject the spirit of apathy and fear that makes us want to be silent when God says, speak to the dry bones. I don't know what your specific issues may be, but I have come to tell you that on this resurrection Sunday that Jesus came, that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. You will breathe again. So we reject our valleys of dry bones and we reject being lifeless and without breath. But while we can reject being lifeless and without breath, we also need to be concerned about having life with breath. What do I mean? Life with breath takes us back to my son's earlier quote. Life is a gift, but living is a choice. It speaks to us having all of the natural capacity that it takes to live. We have flesh. We have body. We have mind. We are breathing. Man has flesh and blood. Man has the breath of life. Man is breathing. Man is alive. In other words, man has life because man has breath. But there's a difference between having a life and living. To have life is about having all the things that I mentioned before. But when man lost the connection to the Spirit of God because of sin, man was indeed alive with a living soul, but man was spiritually dead. To be dead physically means to have once been in a state of having life, but something traumatic happened and that life is no more. But to be spiritually dead means that while you are physically alive, you are separated from the love and fellowship of the Holy Spirit. In fact, I am reminded how in Genesis, God formed man from the dust of the earth and breathed into his nostrils and man became a living soul. But remember that even after man sinned, in the Garden of Eden and lost fellowship with the Spirit of God, man was still very much alive, still able to move and to have his being. Man's living soul, which has the capacity for the Spirit of God, had become void of the Holy Spirit. And without the Holy Spirit, man had become a zombie. In other words, man became the walking dead. And the proof that we are spiritually dead is seen in our inability to discern anything that is of the Spirit of God. We have chosen to lean to our own understandings, feeding on the steady doses of news and lies from the media and the world that has increased our levels of stress. We're overwhelmed with anxieties and fears that are constantly being stoked. We're in a state of crisis that drives us towards self-preservation, always looking for temporary solutions to permanent and real problems. We are fickle, we are frustrated, we are fragmented, and we have lost our natural affections for each other and even for our planet. Separate and apart from God, we have life with breath, but we are in desperate need for the breath of God. The breath of God. Our text in Ezekiel tells us that... There was a noise, and behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, sinews were on them, and flesh grew, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, 
prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may come to life. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them. And they came to life and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Brothers and sisters, I don't know if you see this, but there are really two movements in the text in Ezekiel. Two movements. The first movement we find in Ezekiel 37 and verse 4, where Ezekiel was sitting in the midst of the dry bones. And God said to him, prophesy over these bones and say to them, oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Here's my question. Here's my question. If bones are lifeless and very dry, how in the world can they hear? And, and, and with what will they hear? For dry bones neither have flesh nor blood, let alone ears. Does that even make sense? But that's the first movement. The second movement we find in the 37th chapter, the ninth verse, where, where, where God says now to Ezekiel, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may come to life. Here Ezekiel is now told to speak to the breath. So Ezekiel, the prophet of God, in the midst of these lifeless, dry bones, is told to speak to the bones to prepare them for what is to come but to also speak to the breath for it to come. I don't know if you saw that, and I don't know if you missed that, but he said to Ezekiel, speak to the dry bones for what is to come, but speak to the breath for it to come. This is the resurrection power of God. It requires from us faith. Why? Because faith is the substance of things hoped for, but the evidence of things not yet seen. For without faith, it is impossible to please God. So, son of man, can these bones live? It takes faith to speak to what appears to be an impossible situation that makes absolutely no sense. But it also takes faith to speak and to call upon the breath of God. This is what happened with the breath of God. The breath of God has the power to make what seem like an impossible and hopeless situation come alive. The breath of God has the power to take on any coronavirus situation and make it come alive. The breath of God has the power to make any zombie or any walking dead come alive because as the Apostle Paul tells us, we, we who were dead in our trespasses and sins in which we formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. We who formerly lived, lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging in the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even with the rest of them. We who being so wretched and without hope, just as the walking dead was saved by God. And why? Why? Because God, who being very rich in mercy, 
And because of his great love with which he loved you and me, even when we were spiritually dead, even when we were zombies, made us alive together with Christ and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. For by grace we have been saved through faith. Not of ourselves. It is the gift of God. Not a result of any works or anything that we do so that none of us can boast. Salvation is a gift. It is a resurrection from the lifeless and dead ways in which we once lived and with the opportunity to enter into a new life with the Lord Jesus Christ. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Behold, all things have passed away. My brothers and my sisters, this is Resurrection Sunday. And my message is quite simply this. Jesus did it. He did it when he was beaten, slapped, mocked, and scourged. He did it when he refused to succumb to the ways of the world. He did it when he suffered abandonment and betrayal by most of his disciples. He did it when they pierced him while he hung on that old rugged cross. He did it when the people shouted, ha, he saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Christ of God. You who said you were going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, why don't you save yourself? Oh, if you are the Son of God, why don't you come down from that cross? Then he gave up the ghost when he hung his head, bled, and died. Then he was placed in a borrowed tomb that was sealed with a very large stone. Then he was left there on Saturday to become a rotting corpse. And the disciples wondered, is this it? Was what he said true? Could he rebuild the temple in three days? And to Ezekiel, he says, can these bones live? And to the church, he says, can you worship without a building? Can you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength? And to America, he says, can you care for the immigrant and the unhealthy? Can you care for the widows and the orphans? Can you love your neighbors as yourself? Can we be different after coronavirus? Son of man, can these bones live? The answer, Lord, only you know. And so the Lord says to us today, because Jesus did rise from the grave on the third day, and because he is risen, and because of his resurrection power, Church of God, African Methodists all over the world, Allen Temple, speak to the bones. COVID-19, you are rebuked. Sickness and disease, you are rebuked. Unemployment and joblessness, you are rebuked. Now to the church of God, command the breath of God. 
Breathe, O breath of God. Breathe on us. Breathe, O breath of God. Fill our souls with your spirit. Breathe, O breath of God. Fill our lives with your presence. Breathe, O breath of God. Send forth your healing power. Breathe, O breath of God. Heal our land. Breathe, O breath of God. Send your comforting spirit. Come from the four winds. O breath, O breath of God. Breathe on these, your people, these walking dead. And the scriptures tell us that the breath of God came into them and they came to life, stood on their feet, an exceeding great army. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. But I believe today you heard the word of the Lord and the breath of God has now entered into your lungs and you and I, the church of God, the United States of America, world without end, we can breathe again. The resurrection power of the Lord Jesus Christ is here with us in this time of the coronavirus pandemic as well as with the endemic called sin. But today, today, we, the church of God, must exercise our faith and prophesy to all the dry bones across the United States of America and the whole world and command the breath of God from the four winds of the earth to make us breathe again. Life is a gift, but living is a choice. And I hope you choose to live today. May the Lord richly, richly bless you, my beloved.